0: hello and welcome to another episode of unstuck with hypnopunk and today's episode is all about meditation it's all about health i have a very special guest here steve Beattie, and he is an instructor of the wim hof meditation technique he's going to tell you all about it and some of the other uh, interesting things he
1: does as always i'd like to give a big shout out for those who have left their five star reviews you remember i love those on google play on itunes on spotify on youtube wherever you listen to this show and um, that's what lets me know that the word is getting out there so please um, do subscribe to this show do give it a like and do share so we can continue to grow this audience
0: steve how you doing doing great so how i would like to start off some of these things is uh, you're an interesting guy this is why we got you on the show. What's the origin story? What kind of got you into Wim Hof? Actually, first of all, what is, what is Wim Hof? Um,
2: so the Wim Hof, it's, uh, it's quite popular now. But a few years ago when I got into it, it was a little bit less well-known. But the, uh, the Wim Hof method is a system of breathing and cold exposure which helps us access our mind. And those are the three pillars of the Wim Hof. It's breath, cold, and mindset or commitment. And Wim Hof is he's kind of a, a modern day shaman He uh, he's from the Netherlands and he studied with a bunch of eastern uh, philosophies with uh, yoga and meditation, Tuomo monks in Tibet and all sorts of different stuff and for his own interest and he realized that using a specific breath work of over, overventilating the body or hyperventilating and going into breath retentions where you don't breathe for a while you can access this these other layers of, of your mind and then using the cold, where you go into ice baths um, and meditate in ice baths, you can, again, access a deeper level of your mind. So that's what the Wim Hof Method is. But I was drawn to it because of, a, of an illness. I was sick, which uh, didn't make sense to me because I was always the healthy guy. I was a personal trainer. I was an athlete. I was a sponsored athlete. Uh, my entire life, I've always been very, very fit and healthy. But uh, I was getting sick, and I didn't know why. And it began in my 30s, and I'm 47 now. I had to do the math there. I think I'm 47. Yep. <laughs>
3: That's what happens when you get over 40.
2: Yeah, I just stop. But uh, yeah, so I was in my uh, 30s, and I was a competitive athlete, and I was getting sick. Every day I'd get out of bed, and you know, felt a little a little bit worse. My body was stiff. I couldn't sleep properly. I had digestion, digestion problems. Yeah. Things just weren't right. And uh, I went to see my doctor. My doctor said, you know, you're just getting a little older. Hold on. 30 I'm not getting a yeah. little older that doesn't make any sense but I, I changed the way I ate I changed the way I slept I changed the way I trained and every little change I made I felt a little bit better and then I got a little bit worse okay. a little bit worse and a little bit worse and this just went on and on through my 30s and then in my early 40s I found myself lying in a hospital bed going am I allowed to swear?
4: of course yeah. yeah I was
2: lying in a hospital bed and I'm thinking what the fuck is this? I'm the healthy guy. Yeah. I teach people how to be healthy. I was a personal trainer at the time. Yeah. that's That was my job. I felt like I was lying there. I felt like a hypocrite. Yeah. Like, how could this be? I do everything I'm supposed to do to be healthy. Yep. I'm lying in bed, this hospital bed, and my entire body is inflamed. I couldn't move any of my joints. I was in agony. And my heart was an atrial fibrillation. It was jumping around in my chest like a, like a butterfly, just fluttering and jumping around yeah and i thought i was gonna die and i was scared shitless what is going on and they wheeled the crash cart into the emergency room they're gonna knock me out and shock me back into sinus rhythm okay my god this is this is real this is like what what's going on yeah and this is
0: like a heart attack
2: it wasn't a heart attack. No, okay. that's ventricular fibrillation. Okay. Yeah, this is atrial fibrillation. Oh, big so, words here. All right. Yeah, so the, uh, the technical stuff, the sinoatrial node is higher up in the heart, and it sends an electrical signal across the heart to pulse. Okay. So you got a little, little electrical circuit in there, and that was just misfiring. It was going nuts. It was just sending erratic signals across the heart. Yeah. So my heart was beating. Yeah. I wasn't in cardiac arrest, but it was just really, really irregular uh, heart rate where it wasn't moving in a rhythm at all ultimately fatal but momentarily I, I was stable so they're getting ready to shock me back into life and and right at that moment all the alarms in the emergency room at Mount Sinai hospital went off and all these doctors and nurses went running back and forth and people were shouting and screaming and their police came running in and they started wheeling in gurney after gurney of all these people who had just been in a bar fight and there's like bits of beer bottles sticking out of people's heads and chests, there's blood everywhere and it was a Wednesday afternoon so you can imagine the kind of people in a bar fight on Wednesday afternoon and I'm lying there looking at this going this is crazy I'm not sick I'm not sick and it was right at that moment when I said to myself I'm not sick my heart went back into sinus Rhythm yeah, so all by it, itself.
0: You gave yourself a positive suggestion. Yeah, that's what that's what hypnosis is a lot. Is is we're, we're shocked, we're in a state of trauma, and then suddenly we get a suggestion. An example of this is uh, someone's been hit by a car. EMT people uh, see this big mess of someone with all their limbs hanging off. Now the gut reaction might be holy shit this person's going to die but mm-hmm. they're trained because this person's in a shock so any suggestion you give and bypasses the critical factor and go the adult essentially in their mind goes straight into the unconscious so good emts are trained that when they see someone in a horrible mess they may be half past dead but hell, oh, hey how you doing are you you just in a little accident everything's going to be okay you're safe we're going to patch you up Everything's good. You're safe. You're healthy. Because they realize any language at that point, oh shit, or any any kind of tonal shift can put this person, giving them a horrible suggestion. And they're already in a mm-hmm. horrible place. So yeah, it's a uh, you, you knew that. You knew yeah. that unconsciously.
2: Unconsciously, I, I gave myself that hypnotic suggestion that I'm not sick, and suddenly I wasn't. Okay. And I got up and left. Really? Huh. <laughs> not that easy. Okay. I had to like be discharged and everything. But then I went through. <clears throat> Like months of testing. And they were like drawing blood and sticking tubes up and down every hole I had, checking everything with the sleep clinics, all sorts of stuff to try and figure out what was wrong with me. Yeah. And eventually they gave me this diagnosis that I had nonspecific rheumatoid arthritis. Okay. There's no such thing. Yeah. No such thing as nonspecific yes. rheumatoid arthritis. Okay. But that's what they told me they, I had, and for this nonspecific unknown disease, they had medication for it. Okay. Uh, well, I don't really have anything. Yeah. What are the drugs actually for? And I can't remember what, what it was, but it was horrible. It would If the nonspecific disease didn't kill me, the drugs would have, for sure, within like days, <laughs> they were horrible. Yeah. And they were just very, very heavy duty uh, anti-inflammatory and steroid drugs. And so I didn't want to do that. I wanted to find some other way.
0: Were you in any, any pain at this point?
2: Uh, no, because what was happening was that I was going through waves okay. of pain. Like I would have these, almost like a fever of pain would would rush through my body and I'd be sick for a week or two and then I'd be fine again and then I'd be sick again and I'd be fine again. That was going on all through my 30s. Okay. Just this wave after wave of illness. Yeah. And... And during the whole round of testing, I, I wasn't sick at all. I felt fine.
4: Okay. So
2: that's that's why it was this nonspecific yeah. room to all the symptoms I told them I had. And from previous doctor's notes and records and stuff, showed that I had these inflammatory disorders in my joints. But there's no evidence of it. There's no blood marker of it. Yeah. There's it just this mystery illness.
0: Okay. So they just kind of prescribed this this to you, but they didn't really... Is because they didn't, they, they didn't have anything else they could say that you had at that point. Yeah,
2: we really had the feeling that it was, uh, we don't know what's wrong with you, I take these drugs, go to the office.
0: Yeah. Well, it's a bit like, um, you know how they test somebody to give someone a clinical diagnosis if they're depressed? They don't take blood work or uh, hormone levels or brain chemistry, serotonin, dopamine, They don't check that. They get them to do a quiz. Yeah. And if they answer a certain way, uh, they're like, "Oh, you've got clinical depression. Here's some antidepressants. Mm-hmm. That's how they test it. Yeah, there's, there's yeah, no, there's no cat scan. Probably a better way. Yeah, fMRI machine. There's no testing blood or levels. It's just, oh, mm-hmm. you, you answered this to the quiz. Um, you're depressed. So you're now clinically depressed. Now you've got a label, and then people end up living up to the label they've been given unconsciously. While well, a doctor, someone in authority in a nice mm-hmm. white jacket." Um, said I have this so I've gotta have it. So Yeah,
2: and then people identify with that illness. I see that all the time in, in my personal training career. People would identify with their illness. Totally. Because it's when it
0: becomes an identity statement. If I get a smoker that comes in for example or, or somebody drinks too much and they say, I drink too much or I, I just smoke a little bit too much, I realise these people are gonna be pretty pretty easy to work with. When someone comes in and says I am a smoker. Yeah. I am an alcoholic I am an addict rather than I take too many drugs, I'm doing something stupid. When they identify with it and they accept it as part of their personality, we got some real deep work to do at that point.
2: I would see the same thing in my, my training, my fascial stretch therapy when people come in and say, I, I am this. that you can't, you can't heal yourself from that because then who are you? Yeah. If you give that up, who are you? You have to give them somebody else. You have to discover who you are to be able to get over that illness. As long yeah. as you're identifying with, if I, if I decided when I was given my non specific rheumatoid arthritis that, oh, I'm the guy with rheumatoid arthritis. I have to take these drugs because I have rheumatoid arthritis. This is my illness. I own my illness. So I have to do all these drugs. I would have just gone down a downward spiral of illness. Of, then I would have, it wouldn't have been non specific anymore. I would have had rheumatoid arthritis. I would yeah. have convinced myself of that. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. What, I, what I had. Um, was just an, a runaway inflammatory disorder. And my collection of symptoms looked like rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah. Other people have runaway inflammation, and they, their collection of symptoms looks like Parkinson's or MS or cancer or Crohn's or irritable bowel or whatever. There's all sorts of things that have a root in, in inflammation, runaway inflammation. Yeah. And uh, so that's, that's where I was. And so I started to look for a different route to heal. I didn't want to go that way and a friend of mine at work at the time I was working at a gym downtown Toronto and he said have you ever heard of Wim Hof Wim Hof who is that guy he's known as the Iceman and I had heard of him years ago probably ten years previous to that I saw this crazy documentary that was made by Discovery Channel Canada of this weirdo running a marathon in the Arctic the dead of winter is 40 and he was just wearing shorts no shoes no hat no gloves no shirt just shorts ran a marathon barefoot minus 40 and I remember watching that um, and thinking well that's, that's pretty neat because I, I like the cold as well yeah. I always kind of I was drawn, I've always been drawn to the cold I go winter camping
0: this is good that you're Canadian then right? yeah I, I
2: love the cold I go skiing cross country skiing I love the cold and I remember I have like, early memories uh, when I was a kid we lived out in the countryside in Owen Sound and we had a wood burning stove. And so we had to feed wood into it. And we had a little wood lot by, or wood pile by the back door. But then we had a wood lot further back in the, in the yard. Yeah. And it was my job to go to that back wood lot. And uh, our house was boiling hot because of the stove. So we'd just be wearing shorts and t shirts in yeah. the middle of winter. And I put my dad's work boots on and go out to this back wood lot and pick up the wood. And I remember walking back with an armful of wood and feeling the snowflakes land on my skin. And I remember this, the sensation of snowflakes landing on my skin. It felt nice. It didn't feel like ah, it's cold. Get it off me. Yeah, it felt like a nice touch of cold. Yeah, it was comforting. Yeah, so i always had this idea of cold as, as something that I enjoy, that I like. Yeah. And so this Wim Hof method was, you know, you can do breathing and you sit in ice baths and you meditate, and it's good for people with inflammation disorders. Okay. Well, That's me. I like the cold. But I didn't do it right away. Watched the documentaries. Read some articles. Downloaded the app. Didn't do it. Yeah. (laughs) Not for several weeks. Until finally, I sat down in my living room and I opened up the app and I followed along the instructions on how to do the Wim Hof method where you take these 30 big full breaths where you breathe fully into your body and let it go. 30 times over and over again. And finally, on that 30th one, you take a big breath in and you let it go. Yeah. and You hold your breath from nowhere. Yeah. For as long as you can. I was turning blue in the face. I was like really pushing it because yeah. that's what I thought you were supposed to do. And then you breathe in and hold and you'd repeat that. And I did it three times. Yeah. And that first time I did it, I wasn't in an inflammatory state. But afterwards, I felt better. I just become accustomed to the stiffness in my body this yeah. ache was always there yeah you got used to it I just got used to it it was just this it's thing that I had I didn't notice it anymore it just it's just defaults. default. Yeah, yeah and it was gone mm. it was gone yeah 20 minutes of this breath exercise yeah I felt better yeah I thought, oh, holy shit that's it that's yeah. all I have to do yeah so I got deeper into it yeah learned more about it did the online program met Wim when he came to Toronto okay and uh, hit it off with him right away and then I went to the advanced uh, course in California, yeah. where it was a two-day deep dive into the Wim Hof method. And then I was accepted into the master's module to become an instructor, yeah. which was in Australia, which I think is kind of ironic that this Canadian guy had to go to California and Australia for cold exposure. Yep. But that's how it goes. Actually, in Australia, it was in August. Um, and so it was their winter. Okay. And it was cold. Really? It yeah. was, the days were about 15 degrees Celsius, not so bad but we were swimming in the southern ocean off of uh, Melbourne okay and it was icy cold so yeah I, like but there's 24 of us all in the ocean together with our arms linked meditating in the ocean big waves crashing over us yeah it was really beautiful it was the most profound experience of my life awesome but that's where it all changed hmm. I thought up to that point that the Wim Hof method was breathing and cold exposure and rah 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 look at me I can sit in ice baths and this is amazing and uh that whole week in Australia, we started off our week setting an intention. What's this setting an intention? What do you mean setting an intention? Yeah. What, what do you want to achieve? We're going to find our block, our blockage. What do you mean our blockage? What does this mean? Yeah. This is all this mumbo-jumbo meditation stuff you're talking about. Yeah. Didn't make any sense to me. And this blockage is this thing in your life that's stopping you from moving forward. Okay. I'll go with that. And so it was just one of those hypnotic implants. Yeah. Again, I didn't realize it, but I just put this away in my subconscious. And every day we had meditation and breath work, extended breath practices and doing all sorts of interesting stuff and learning how to become a teacher of the Wim Hof method. Yeah. And it was a great experience, but it was the breathing and the meditating and the cold exposure and swimming in the ocean and bonding with these uh, other men and women and just going deep into this. And it was on our last day that we had an extended breath practice. We were breathing for about 90 minutes, just nonstop breath work, overventilating your body, doing breath holds with air in and air out and doing different squeezes to activate different things in the body. And then we went into the ice bath at the end of that. And I was feeling kind of weird. I was feeling a little bit out of my head. Yeah. And I'd been carrying this intention. What is blocking you in your life? And I went into the ice bath this last time with Wim. He was there. And when you go into an ice bath, you get, there's a shock. <laughs> there's a, yeah. a, a very, very acute stress response to going in ice water. Yeah. It will kill you. And everything in your body says, get out. Yeah. But the, the point of the Wim Hof Method is to control your stress response to that. And move past the stress response and go within. And after that initial shock of the cold, it was like my brain was a Rubik's Cube and it was all jumbled up and all the different colors. And suddenly it went click and all the colors lined up. Mm. And my eyes shot open and I gasped. (gasps) And I burst into tears and laughter at the same time. And it was the first time I cried in 32 years. Wow. It was the most profound experience I'd ever experienced. It was just, it was overwhelming. Yeah. And I laid in this ice water for about 10 minutes. Yeah. Laughing and crying hysterically. Yeah. As all this trapped trauma from my life came rushing out of me. Yeah. Thought, what is going on? Yeah. I'm, I was born in England. Okay, I'm an Englishman. We, we, we don't have emotions. Yeah, we're, we're, we're I'm actually born in Wales. I'm Welsh. Oh, my family is. We have to common. stop this conversation. We have to leave. Hate, we're we're hate done. People, that's it. Well, that, so, that, so I, I had the good. I, what you're I had the good sense to leave, Luke. You were smart. You were smart. <laughs> <laughs> now we came to Canada when I was three. Hence the thick accent. Um, but uh, yeah, so I was just raised in this this culture of don't have emotions, stiff upper lip, and all that. Yeah, um, and deny yourself emotions. Don't feel. And uh, so it all came out all this the, and then memories of stuff that had happened to me, and, and experience I've had that I had just repressed and put away, and, the, yeah. and it all came bubbling out. and so it was it was quite a, quite a growth experience for the next few days, and it actually was a, two days later, I was back on a plane flying back to Canada, yeah. That's a long flight, by the way. How many hours is that? <laughs> um, I flew through LA, but the flight itself, um, flying there was 18 hours because it was a storm. We had to circle back and land someplace else. Um, but I, I think it was uh, 17 hours from okay. Melbourne to LA. Okay, wow. Which prior to that, my longest flight, I think, was seven hours. Yeah. So after you've sat on a plane for longer than you ever have in your entire life, you still have 10 hours to go.
4: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <It was laughs> nice,
2: insane. yeah. It was insane. Um So, I came back to Canada and uh, back in Toronto, and my wife picks me up at the airport and she doesn 't come running up to me and throws her arm around me and say, "Oh, I missed you and she looked at me paused said you 've changed was her first words to me yeah you 've changed yeah i said you 're right. We have to have a talk about that, yeah Because I I changed completely. I was a different person. I was no longer. I wasn't the Steve Beattie who went to Australia. Yeah. I was reborn into somebody else. Interesting. And I came back to Canada and came back to my job. And I went back to the gym where I was working as a personal trainer, a fascial stretch therapist. And uh, I taught fascial stretch therapy and taught some other stuff with the company. And uh, I went back to the gym and I stood there and I looked around and my clients came in. And after the first day. I have to quit yeah I can't do this this isn't me this isn't what I'm here for I need to teach people breath work and meditation and getting in touch with who they really are who their inner self is yeah this, this, these trapped people inside our heads my purpose is to let people know who they are I need to teach breath work and meditation to people yeah so I quit Okay. And that was just about two years ago. Actually, it was uh, this September. Yeah. Um, it was, I guess, 2016. Twenty sixteen. Yeah. Um, I gave my notice. I worked for another three months. I slowly transitioned my clients away. And then uh, for the past uh, two years, I've been teaching breath work and meditation to people, teaching the Wim Hof Method, traveling, traveling around Canada, all over Ontario and Quebec, teaching the Wim Hof Method in workshops, yeah. um, public groups, corporate events, one-on-one breath work. And then for the past uh, six months—no, oh, not six months, four months—I've been here at uh, Mindset Brain Gym in Toronto, yeah. teaching breathwork to, and that's where I met you. Yeah, yeah, um, so,
0: yeah. So how how I met Steve was uh, this cool little mindset meditation place that looks kind of scientific and not so earthy crunchy. It looks it looks looks cool. And I was walking past one day, and they're having like a little trial, so I came in, and I was. I like the idea there these these muse headbands that you put it on and you can get biofeedback when you're meditating, what brainwave you're in and that's kind of what, what, what got me. So I enrolled in this uh this free class and I'm like, Oh, I get to do this and get to get some biofeedback, what's really going on in my head rather than earthy, crunchy stuff. It's like I get to see really what's going on. And the class I came to you it was just your, your class, breathing. So I remember I'm like, Is this, where's the headbands? When I came in, I'm like What's he talking about? Breathing. I already know this meditation stuff. I want to get some scientific feedback. And I'm it's f- like, this class is going to be 45 minutes. I thought this was going to be the 20-minute focus class. So I'm feeling disappointed. Before the class has even started, I'm feeling disappointed because <laughs> I don't get to wear the headband and get that biofeedback and prove that I'm in this brainwave or that place. So I'm like... I was there with my girlfriend at the time I'm like oh I think we came to the wrong class, but we're here it's a bit
2: rude. I, I disappoint people everywhere I go there you go there you
0: go um, What did I say disappointment requires adequate planning so um yeah, I'm there like I can't leave now, I guess we're here I'm just disappointed so we lie down and start to do this breathing and going through it and then we're holding the holding the breath and um, I remember at the end of it. Going through that forty-five minute class and feeling like something had shifted for me, because doing what I do with hypnosis and change work, it's often I'm a lot, very much in my own head. So when I, when I'm experiencing change work or, or working with someone, working with me, it needs to be physical on some level, not just mental, because I'm there all the time. I need to be in my body, I need to be physical sensations. Mm-hmm. So holding the breath, I remember the first time at the end of the class, I started to have tingles and um, i remember walking down young street and for probably a good 24 hours after i just was in that that beautiful flow state mm-hmm. where i just felt connected to everything and time didn't matter and i was just everything was connected and everything everything felt good and then things defaulted a couple of days later then i came back and it extended a little bit more but but that's what kept, what keeps bringing me back is you know getting into that state being physical into my body and uh, yeah really really powerful form of meditation so i've done Mm. vipassana meditation like 10 11 day retreats where essentially you're a monk for 11 days where you're scanning your body for sensations it was great i've done some transcendental meditation where you have a mantra and you keep going but again it's all too mental Mm -hmm. it's all mental and Mm -hmm. i'm there i'm there too much of the time i need to be in my body so so learning this method from you and um you know, I guess just the the manly thing of holding your breath. How long can you yeah. hold your breath? It kind of gamifies it a little bit, makes it a little
2: bit little bit fun. Well, that, that's what that's what drew me to the Wim Hof method was that I when I first became uh, familiar with it, I, I called it meditation for the truck driver. Okay, it kind of tricks people into meditating. Yeah, and your deck there. We are so stuck in our heads all the time, especially living in Toronto. It's, it's a very busy, 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 busy place. People yeah. are just rushing about and, and inside our heads we're rushing about all the time. And I, I know a lot of people who who try meditation and myself included. And we, we sit down and try and meditate. But our idea of meditating was to just do more of the busy thinking. Yeah. Don't We're not shifting our minds in any way, shape or form. We're just sitting still but still thinking. Yeah. So we're not actually meditating when we're doing that. We're just... Sitting down. Yeah. <laughs> Which maybe there's value to that. But it wasn't actually meditating. When we do the breath work, and this is all the, like I've learned so much stuff about meditating since I've become a breath coach. But the very act of breathing, taking control of your breath, and over breathing and focusing on that breath shifts your brain waves where we're stuck in that busy, busy beta wave of our of our mind all the time. And a prime example of that, have you ever been driving somewhere and you've got the radio bla- blaring and you're looking for an address, so you have to turn down the radio to look for the address? That's your beta wave just overpowering your mind. You can't, you can't focus on anything because your mind is just so jumbled. You have to turn off sound so that you can look at a window. Yeah. That's your beta wave okay. going crazy. Yeah. Um, when we meditate, we're trying to you know, shut that part of our brain up, off and, and shift into a low alpha wave. And we do that by, first of all, just observing your breath. But again, observing your breath is hard if your mind is just racing a mile a minute, just going berserk. Oh, I have to do this. Oh, I did that. I said that. I should have said this. I'm going to do this tomorrow. I have to do this. I have to do that. It's hard to turn that off. But when we sit still and observe our breath, we begin to turn that off and shift into that low alpha wave state. But still, people have a hard time doing that. Just observing. How do I observe my breath? Okay, I'm going to think about observing my breath. No, you're thinking about observing your breath. Yeah, you're thinking Stop, it rather than being it. Yeah, don't think it, be it. But people can't do that. So when we take control of our breath, well, now that takes a little bit more of your attention to take control of your breath. Yeah. So now we're, but what we're also doing when we take control of our breath is we're taking control of our autonomic nervous system, which we don't normally do. We don't think about our breath, right? We take 20,000 breaths a day. If you had to think about every one of them, you wouldn't get anything else done. Yeah. Right now, we're taking control of our breath and we're thinking about taking control of our breath. So now we're paying attention to our breath, and now we're not thinking about that phone call, that you know, the groceries, the bills we have to pay, the, yeah. the relationship, or, or whatever it is. We're not thinking about that because now we're thinking about our breath. Yeah, we're controlling our breath, and then we stop thinking about our breath and we just observe our breath as we breathe deeply in and out in a rhythmic fashion. Yeah. So our brain is hacked. We hack into our brain. And we say, shut up, busy brain. We're in flow state now. And once you're in flow state, it's easy to stay there. You just stay with your breath. Every now and then, you know, thoughts come in. Oh, yeah, I got to do that. Oh, wait a second. Breathe. Yeah. <laughs> and you're, it's easy to get back into it yeah. once you're there. And that's the power of breath work. So now we've hacked our body. We've tricked ourselves into meditating. And the more we do it and deeper in we go, our brain waves shift even more. So we've got this very, very narrow band of focus, and the way I, this came to me a couple weeks ago, the way I, I like to see it, and I'm giving away my age here, but think of an old fashioned TV set where it has static yeah. on it. That's your busy brain, just staticky. When we focus in on our breath, we're focusing on a single pixel on that screen, so we're just seeing that, that glowing white dot of a yeah. pixel on your TV screen, that's our breath. And everything else disappears, we can't see it, we've just got that single pixel. Yeah. And we breathe and breathe and breathe. And then with a the power breath that I teach here, and I'll talk about how it's a little bit different from the Wim Hof Method, we superventilate our body and then we finally breathe out. Let it all out. So superventilating is, is breathing in too much? Um, yeah. So on the Wim Hof Method website, we talk about hyperventilating your body. So you're just over-breathing. You're breathing too much over and over again. I don't like the word hyperventilation because it has a connotation of, of being out of control. And people are hyperventilating, they're stressed, Yeah. they're frightened, uh, they're they ha- having a panic attack.
0: And they're, they, they're breathing faster, but are they breathing deeper when they're doing
2: that? And that's the problem. If you don't breathe properly, and then you do a breath practice, you're just doing more of your incorrect breath practice. Yeah. Right, if you have that stress breath breath, where you're breathing with your secondary respiratory muscles, which are high up on your chest and in your neck, and you're like you're sh- when you're breathing, your shoulders are going up and down, and yeah, like up. <sighs> it's way up there. That makes you more stressed. Yeah. So that very act of breathing incorrectly makes you breathe incorrectly. Because activating,
0: more. yeah, the uh, sympathetic nervous system, exactly. fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah. So when we go deeper, it's the parasympathetic nervous system,
2: exactly. rest and digest. Yeah. So if you have that secondary or respiratory pattern where you have that stress breath, and then you start doing. I breath practice, like the Wim Hof method, all you're gonna do is like <gasps> you're gonna do more of it. Yeah, yeah. And that's not helping you at all. So if you're trying to quiet your brain, you're just panicking yourself. Yeah. You are activating your limbic system. You are pumping adrenaline and increasing your cortisol levels. All these stress hormones are are just going out of control. Yeah. You need to breathe deep from your belly, and you get more air in. So the first thing we do, we learn how to breathe. Yeah. In, in the power breath class, We're breathing from our belly and so that, that so i've gotten away from the idea of using hyperventilation and i say super ventilation
4: yeah words it's all yeah, it is. It's just yeah, words yeah
2: so we're taking more air in a deeper circular breath rising up through your body with each breath and wim teaches it this way too it's just when you when you get into this just watching a video on youtube or whatever you, if you don't know how to breathe if you're not aware of your breath you're not going to breathe properly yeah Right? So you have to know how to breathe properly. So when we take control of them, we go deeper and deeper and deeper. And we have that narrow focus on our breath. When we finally stop breathing, we breathe it all out and we hold our breath. We have nothing to focus on. And so suddenly this narrow band broadens into a broad view of our entire mind. It opens up. But it's not that busy static anymore. It's just that single pixel of white light. Yeah. It's suddenly this broad, full screen of white light. Of our, of our mind, of our subconscious becomes open to us. Yeah. And then you can just experience. Don't think about it. Don't think, oh, I'm going to think about that thing. Yeah. Right? You can't, you can't tell your mind what to do. Like a hammer can't hit itself. The mind can't tell itself what to do. Mm. You just have to let it go. Surrender. Yeah. And then that's when the insight happens. And for me personally, what happens to me, I just go into this deep, almost... Uh, hypnotic meditation state, and when you're in that state, it's actually it's theta waves. We have now we're in this low alpha wave meditation state, yeah. and now we also have these theta waves. And theta waves are dominant when we're dreaming. We've gone to bed and we're dreaming. We're in REM sleep, theta waves. Yeah. Now we've got both, so we're in this deep hypnotic meditative state. And a lot of people afterwards will say, "I think I fell asleep." And no, you probably didn't. Yeah. You were just in trance. Yeah. You were just not here. You had gone someplace else. Yeah. You were awake. And what I've discovered along the way when I set an intention for my practice when I go into this I give myself an affirmation or a mantra that I have deep sort of planted inside my mind And then when I go into that hypnotic state, it's still there Yeah And so it becomes this dominant idea deep in my subconscious that comes out And I'm not thinking about it I'm not present or I'm not aware of what's happening in that moment But after my meditation, usually about an hour I have what's called the download. Okay. I don't know. There might be a term for this in, in, in meditative philosophies. Yeah. But I call it the download. It's my digital upbringing, where I get this rush of creativity okay. and insight and answers. And it just pours out of me. Yeah. Or it pours into me first somehow, and then it pours out of me. So I always have my journal yeah. handy about an hour after, and I just sit down and I just let it out. These words just start flowing out of my hand. I don't, yeah. I'm not even thinking about it. It's just words and ideas, creativity comes out of me. Yeah. And it's that, that connection deep inside my subconscious. So
0: typically, how long will someone hold their breath in one of these rounds that you do?
2: So when I'm guiding it, um, the the first... We, we try and get to about 90 seconds is when I tell people to breathe in. So yeah. people are generally holding the breath for about 90 seconds. Now, one of the things I've added is... The idea of this breath hold is to go into a hypoxic state, which means low oxygen levels. You've burned up all the oxygen. Um, And when that happens, our body is trying to preserve itself. So it increases blood flow. It shunts blood from your periphery into vital organs. So you increase blood flow to your heart. Okay. Your lungs, your liver, vital organs, and your brain. And we actually have, in a way, dormant blood vessels in our brain that we don't, if we're not using parts of our brain, we just don't send energy and blood to that area. Yeah. But when we go into hypoxia, we do. We open up. We we have increased blood flow to our brain when we're in hypoxia.
0: Explain hypoxia again. Low oxygen.
2: Low oxygen so okay. right, if you're a healthy person, your oxygen levels in your blood is somewhere between ninety-six to ninety-eight percent blood saturation. Okay. That's healthy. Yeah. Um, Around somewhere between, around 85%, you are in hypoxia. That's a medical emergency. If you're in a hospital and they've got that that little thing on your finger measuring your pulse and your blood saturation, if it gets down, if it goes past 90, alarms go off. Okay. Right? That's dangerous. Okay. If you're sick. When we're doing this on purpose because we've blown off all of our carbon dioxide in our body, our our brain has no no way to measure oxygen. We have, we have no idea how much oxygen is in our body. We measure carbon dioxide. Okay. When carbon dioxide gets too high, we have to breathe. Okay. So Breathing is to breathe off carbon dioxide. It's not to breathe in oxygen. It's okay. to breathe off carbon dioxide. That's what we do. Okay. That's the physiology of breathing, is to breathe off carbon dioxide. Which is, and the carbon dioxide is one of
0: the molecules that… Um
2: it's a, air quotes, it's a waste product of okay. respiration. We okay. breathe in oxygen, yeah. oxygen goes into our cells. And it combines with a glucose mo- molecule and burns yeah. and makes energy, makes ATP. Okay. Um, and then the waste product of that, the, the exhaust of that is carbon dioxide. Okay. Carbon dioxide goes back into the blood, bumps into a hemoglobin with a little bit of oxygen, switches, and the, the red blood cell of the hemoglobin goes back to the lungs and dumps at the carbon dioxide.
0: I remember you said something once that, and you kind, of, you, you, you kind of hit upon it just then that we're breathing out the carbon dioxide because that's what we need to get rid of, but we don't really need air. Did I get that right? Uh, well,
2: we need we need air. We, okay. need, we, we need oxygen. That's what okay. keeps us alive, but we don't measure it.
0: Okay. We In don't need way. as much as we yeah, think we, we
2: need. Yeah, we, we don't actually know. Our brain isn't aware of low oxygen levels. It's aware of high carbon dioxide levels.
0: Okay, hence why you can train people to hold their breath for long periods of time. So when we're doing
2: the superventilation, we are over-breathing, we're breathing deeper and quicker. So we're breathing off carbon dioxide. Okay. So now we have, when we go into our retention, we have low carbon dioxide. So we can hold our breath for a really long time. Okay. Because it's that carbon dioxide, where that rises up tells us, oh, you have to breathe too much carbon dioxide. That's what makes us breathe. Yeah. So because it's so low. We can hold our breath for a really long time and go into hypoxia, okay. which is low oxygen. Yeah, And my, my, my old oxymeter broke. But, and the lower I guess, the, the, the cheap ones anyway, the lower the, lower the blood oxygen I guess, the, the less accurate the, the cheap oxymeters are, okay. oximeters or oxymeters. You okay. buy them at Shoppers Drug Mart, they're like 20 bucks. Okay. Uh, but I've had mine down to 50% blood saturation. Okay. Not very accurate at that level, so who knows what it was, but it was certainly well below the critical level. Yeah. So I'm deep in hypoxia when that happens, and blood flow increases to the brain, more signals are happening, there's greater activation within the brain during this time.
0: So when you're in hy- hypoxia, what are some of the benefits in your mind and body when you're in that state?
2: So. When I first started doing this, I was really focused on the uh, physiological benefits, the the athletic benefits to the Wim Hof method. It's tremendous. When you train your body in these uh, low oxygen uh, areas, you are creating healthier, more metabolically active cells. So within a cell, we have a little organelle called the mitochondria the mitochondria is the thing that burns the oxygen with the fat. It creates energy, the ATP. We're teaching it. We're training it to work with less oxygen. So it's becoming better at using what it has. With um, chronic um, practice, chronic in a good way, um, we actually increase mitochondria density. So you have more of them in your cells. If you have more of them, you can create more energy. Create more ATP molecules. Okay. And it's the ATP molecule, is the molecule of energy for life. So yeah.
3: Adrenaline triphosphate? Uh,
2: a, 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 it's, it's not adrenaline, it's okay. adenosine triphosphate. Uh, okay, okay. I think I said that wrong. It's okay. ATP. Yeah. <laughs> Look it up, everyone. It's ATP, is the molecule of energy. Uh, we can create more of it and quicker. So now you have a higher VO2 max because you have more energy in your body to burn.
0: Okay, is this a bit like in the old school, I'm sure they still do it now, but boxers or MMA trainers that will train at high altitude, so when they come back to a a normal plane where they'll be fighting, they've got a a better cardiovascular stamina when they're performing fighting?
2: Almost. That's the other side of it. Okay. That's not the the low auction part, that's training in a high CO2 part. So that's coming up. All right. So... Because we're also um, we're shifting the blood pH as well, when you blow off all of the carbon dioxide, your blood pH becomes a little bit more basic. Just a little, it's a very, very narrow band. If it goes outside of that, you're dead. So there's a slight shift in your pH levels of your blood, okay. which increases the buffering capacity of your cells. So when you exercise, you get that burn when you're training, you're building up uh, hydrogen ions, you're building up acid in your body. But when you train yourself to buffer the uh, the hydrogen ions by adjusting your carbon dioxide levels now that lactic acid burn that you get when you train doesn't happen until a little bit later on okay so now you can you have more energy so you can go harder and you have a greater buffering capacity so you can go longer Okay. so that's the immediate effects of doing the wim hof method on yes health
0: and the purpose of the uh, the cold therapy the ice baths and stuff like that what, what's that all about
2: um so the the cold exposure and people always shy away from the cold but um there's a little something called hormesis which is basically um a little bit of a bad thing is a good thing um when we go into extreme heat or extreme cold we release heat shock and cold shock proteins which heal our body it uh fixes damaged proteins in our body. It uh, makes us more resilient and stronger. Um, same thing with uh, fasting. When we fast, when we go without food for several days, we become stronger. We don't get weaker. We don't waste muscle. We actually gain muscle mass when we don't eat. Um, so a little bit of a bad thing makes us stronger because we need to survive. Yeah. That's what happens. Too much of a bad thing will kill you. Yeah. Right? If you, you know, freeze to death, that's, that's not a good thing. Yeah. Um, but a little bit of a bad thing, which is the cold, it makes us stronger. So that initial shock of cold. And the other, the other thing of the, the breathing, too, one of the uh, initial things that happens, we're training our stress response. When you go into that um, hypoxic state, that low oxygen, you have a stress response. Yeah. So you give your body a little squirt of adrenaline. And then you metabolize it. So you're learning, you're you're giving yourself little microdoses of stress. Okay. So you're training yourself to be more resilient to stress. Now people always say, you know, there's enough stress in my life. Why would I want more stress? Well, if you think about going to a gym, you have to move around and lift your body up all the time. Why would you go to a gym to lift yourself up? Yeah. So, makes you stronger at lifting yourself up and moving around. Yeah. You go to the gym and lift up something heavy so that in life you can lift up things that are heavy. Yeah. We're training ourselves in these little microdoses of stress so that all those other little stressful things in life become less stressful. Okay. You can tolerate it that much more. Yeah. And one of the first things people notice when they have a daily practice is those little stressors. Like running down to the subway station and you just missed a train. And instead of going, Ah oh, shit I missed a train it's like, there's another one in 90 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't miss anything. You're just catching the next one. Yeah. Or that person who cut you off on the road, and you're punching the horn, you're swearing at them. Why? Doesn't change a thing. They're already in front of you. Yeah. The stress should have been passed by now, but we hold on to it because we can't tolerate the stress. So stress makes more stress in our body. Yeah. Right? But, oh, you cut me off. Oh, well, he's in front of me now. Yeah. That's what happens. You These little stressors are no longer affecting you anymore. So now you've got all this reserve for an actual emergency. Yeah. We have the stress response because not too long ago, we used to get attacked by saber tooth tigers. Yeah. All the time. And we had to fight them off. Um, but now, there's not a lot of saber tooth tigers out there, but we carry them with us in our pockets all the time. They vibrate and buzz and ring all the time. Yeah. So we're always having this crisis event all the time. When we train ourselves with these little doses of stress by doing these breath holds, these little stressors are gone. We can tolerate it. It's not a stress anymore. When we go into the ice water, that's a stressor. When you go into an ice bath, it's like, holy shit, get me out. Yeah, It's the first thing you want to do. Yeah. In fact, I see it when people are going in to the ice bath. Like Some of them actually stand back up again. Yeah. It's out of their control. They can't not do that. Yeah. They have to. Their body is saying, get out. Yeah, This is deadly. And it is. But we go in, we have this massive stress response, but we train ourselves to breathe through it, to calm that stress response, and it happens with everyone. Everybody calms down within twenty to forty seconds. Everybody is, <sighs> they let it go. Yeah, and I see it on their eyes every time. It's this moment of calm and clarity. You've done it. Yeah, it didn't kill you. You can do this. So it makes you stronger mentally. You're stronger. You can. You're resilient. You can withstand anything. Yeah, It's an amazing feeling. And then, after you can do a couple things. You can just sit and experience the cold. Let the cold in. What is the cold telling you? How does it feel? Is this cold something that's going to hurt you? Is it dangerous? Is it frightening? Or is it just a sensation? Experience it. Or you can hold it at bay and say, actually, no body, I'm going to be warm. I'm going to create heat in my body. And so in the superhuman resilience course that I teach here, it's kind of an advanced Wim Hof method um, program. People sit in the ice water for five minutes and many of them start to sweat. Mm. They make themselves so hot sitting in the ice water that they start sweating. It's an amazing thing to see.
0: And that's because they've given themselves a suggestion while they're in it?
2: Um, A suggestion to be warm uh, and control over your autonomic nervous system. We can just change our body temperature at will. But we also have a secondary breath practice supervised in the water where we use a box breath okay. that creates heat in our body. Um, the intercostal muscles around our ribs generate a lot of heat when we breathe. That's where the heat comes from, okay. is the intercostal muscles around our ribs, which heats the air in our lungs. Obviously, if we went in, out in the cold in the middle of winter and we couldn't warm that air up, our, we'd freeze our lungs really quickly. Yeah. So we create a lot of heat inside of our lungs. Okay. intercostal muscles that are very, very hot. So when we activate these by an, a deliberate breath practice in the water, now I'm going to say this, no don't do any kind of breath holds in the water, ever. Don't do the Wim Hof method in the water, ever. If you pass out, if you faint in the water, you die.
4: Yeah, you drown. All right? Yeah. So
2: that is, don't ever do it in the water. Um, in the supervised class that I teach, we have, it's not the Wim Hof method, it's not superventilation, it's a box breath. That we do, and it's just activating some of the muscles in our chest to generate heat, done under supervision.
0: Awesome. I, I know there's a, a story about um, these scientists, these doctors testing out um, Wim Hof uh, by injecting some kind of disease or illness yeah. into him, and then uh, yeah, tell that story.
2: Yeah, that's uh, that's quite incredible. So Wim. Um, Always claimed that everybody could do this. He 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 runs marathons in the Arctic and keep himself warm. He climbed Mount Everest again in his shorts to the Death Zone where people have parkas and supplemental oxygen. He was in his shorts. Yeah. He ran a, a marathon in the Namib Desert. It was plus forty degrees, just shorts, no water. Yeah. Um, he swims. No water, right? Eh? No water. No, just yeah. ran four hours through the through the uh, hot desert, um, and he has he sits in ice water for for several hours. Doesn't freeze to death. So he can do all these incredible things. And he claims that he can control his autonomic nervous system. He can boost his immune response. He can control it to the power of his mind. And uh, so they wanted to put it to a test. They were like, well, you're just a freak. You can't do this. No one can do it. And yeah. he says, no, I can and everyone can. I'm not special. Yeah. He's kind of special. Um, but he's just trained to be special. So they, uh, the Radbound study in the Netherlands, Radbound University, they injected him with an endotoxin which is the dead cell of a bacteria that they inject into people to test the effectiveness of uh, drugs for medicine. If you like Tylenol and aspirin, that kind of stuff, they, they test it by giving somebody an endotoxin, which makes them violently ill. Okay. Then they give them the drugs to see if it stops the effect. Yeah. So he was injected with his endotoxin and then just used the power of his mind and his breath to suppress his immune response to the endotoxin. And he did it. He did not have the violent reaction. You have a very horrible flu, Yeah, like a headache, throwing up, diarrhea, the whole works. You're, you're, it's a miserable experience. Yeah. He didn't have that. Um, he said he had a, a slight headache came on, which helped him and helped him focus on what he was supposed to be doing in his meditation. So yeah. he could suppress his headache and doing that stopped his immune response. But again, they said, well, yeah, you did it. You you can do all these things you claim. You're still a freak. Nobody else can do this. Yeah. So he said, no. Give me a group of people. I will train them in my method and we can retest it. And they said, well, we don't have 20 years to do this. And said, no, I'll do it in five days.
0: And they, and they chose the people. They weren't like old yeah. students.
2: Yeah, it was a university study. Okay. Um, so it was, uh, I think it was 10, it might have been 12, but it was a group of young men, young yeah. university men. Yeah. So, you know, 20 to 22 years old, something like that. Uh, he took them to his place out in Poland and trained them in his method. Breath work, cold exposure, and meditation. Um, over five days and they went back to the to the hospital yeah hooked them all up there was a study there was a a a study group as well that did not receive the training yeah Um, so they were everybody was injected with this endotoxin okay so the ones didn't receive the, the, the training were violently ill yeah and then WIMS group that had received the training were able to suppress that immune response and one of the very interesting things that uh for for me and why it works with uh, stress and anxiety is that through this breath system, you do have a stress response. So cortisol levels spiked with the endotoxin, but then normalized within minutes, whereas the people who did not receive the training, they had a very stressful response. their cortisol levels went up and up and up, and they were very, very sick. Cortisol is the chronic stress molecule in our body. Mm -hmm. Um, It it has a purpose. It it rises about two hours before we wake up, so it increases your blood pressure and your heart rate and wakes you up. Yeah. And then it's supposed to come down and be low. But in our chronic, stressful lives, it stays high and makes us sick. The Wim Hof method lowers your cortisol levels. Um, It's a side note. But all these young guys didn't get sick. Yeah. So it was proof positive that we can control our autonomic nervous system. We can access that part of our mind that controls our stress and our immune response. We can do this. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, and so when Wim took the other the other group, he took them out to his farm too and taught them the method too Yeah, <laughs> for free. So they, they did get something out of it.
0: Nice. Mm-hmm. So you, you run classes here daily at the Mindset Gym. You also work one-on-one with people. I do so when you work one-on-one with people with my, my fascial release
2: yeah so I became a fascial stretch therapist uh, I studied with the stretch to win Institute out of okay. Phoenix Arizona and I taught for them as well for uh, for a few years um, so I'm a fascial stretch therapist that was early days on in my uh, personal training yeah. career. I, I realized I didn't um, I didn't enjoy training so much but I, I noticed a strange thing with my clients was that um, when I went back to school to become a personal trainer, one of my teachers at school um, said, "You know, stretching your client at the end of a session is a good way to blow off ten minutes of a session." I'm like, yep, sounds like fraud. <laughs> Why would I do that?
0: I, I, when I was a I was a, a, a trainer in a past life as well, and uh, yeah, this, the last ten minutes make him feel good, give him the experience mm-hmm. of being stretched. Who doesn't want to feel the feeling of being stretched out after a, after a workout? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, yeah. I get that. I've had that as well.
2: Yeah, it's lovely. Um, but I noticed that it didn't do anything. Yeah. They, you know, they came back a few days later or the next week and we checked their range of motions. It's ah, exactly the same as it was. Yeah. You know, holding the leg up in the air for them for 10 minutes did nothing.
0: It's a bit like going to counseling and talking about the same problem every week but not doing any With, techniques yeah. to release the yeah. shit.
2: Exactly. Not doing anything to fix it. Yeah. Um, but I always had a couple clients who really saw a benefit from stretching. It really worked. Their range of motion got better. They got stronger. They they felt better. Why does stretching work for some people and not for others? Yeah. Or not for most. And a colleague of mine at work um, said, have you ever heard of Tom Myers and this book called Anatomy Trains? Anatomy? No, never never heard of it. Yeah. So I went and got it. I looked at it. And they were talking about this thing called fascia. What the hell is fascia? I wasn't talking about fascia in school. Yeah. Where I studied the human body, they didn't tell, I didn't learn anything about fascia. Yeah. What is it? And I was looking through and like fascia is all over our body. It's everything. In fact, we are fascia. It is the connective tissue in our body. Yeah. Every cell is connected to the next cell through fascia. Every muscle is encased in this sleeve of fascia. We have these lines of fascia in our body that transmit force. The ground reactionary force when you take a step, it's like a ripple that moves through your body, through your fascia. Yeah. Our nerves and blood vessels and lymphatic system is supported in our fascia. We are our fascia. Yeah, Didn't learn anything about it Yeah, at all. Like, why not? It seems, it seems important to me. And uh, so I wanted to learn, and then I realized that these few people that really saw a benefit, I was somehow affecting their fascial net in their body so I did a quick search on fascial stretching and there was a course right here in Toronto like three weeks later by the Stretch to Win Institute fascial stretch therapy okay sign up so I went and took this course a five day course uh, and it was like this amazing look at the human body was I I came to all this personal training stuff from a science background I'm a geologist by background Mm -hmm. so I have a very much a materialist science background where muscle contracts arm bends that's how it works that's how I was taught and suddenly it's like, no, it's, everything works together. Everything is connected and needs to work together, needs to be balanced in the body. And when we stretch, we stretch fascial lines in the body. Then it was fascial lines, we call them fascial nets now because it encompasses a little bit more. Yeah. And so instead of stretching a hamstring, I would stretch the superficial back net of the body. And where somebody says, you know, their, their hamstring is tight, and you check the superficial back net, well, it's probably isn't the hamstring hamstrings have a lot of range in them yeah it, it's might be higher up or lower down in that kinetic chain of fascial tissue in their body and so when you stretch it all together that's where you affect change in the body so that tight hamstring might actually be a tight neck yeah release that tension in the neck suddenly the hamstring works Well, oh, this is amazing And so I became a fascial stretch therapist. Yeah. Working with fascia, stretching them. And then I realized that I also have to stay, like, giving them this great range of motion is one thing. But if you walk in a certain way, because you're tight, so I stretch you, you're not tight. You still walk in a certain way. Yeah. So I had to retrain people's movement patterns.
4: Yeah, which takes a long time.
2: Yeah. So that was a lot of what I did. Yeah. I I would get people who had dysfunctional movement patterns, stretch them, taught them to move again great very successful I had a waiting list of clients wonderful stuff
4: yeah
2: but then I started to notice these things I would stretch somebody they'd come to me and say oh I'm always stiff I'm always tight I always have this pain this chronic pain in my body I've got a bad back I have a bad knee I've got a bad this bad that and I would stretch them and I was getting these people who would suddenly have these emotional releases Mm. on my table on this is before I had my, my awakening, this my, my event in the yeah. in the ice bath. I'm like, why are you crying? Stop crying. Don't do that. We don't we don't have those around here. Yeah. Put your emotions away. Bury those deep inside you. Yeah. But I had this little this thought, like, what is going on? Why are people coming to me with pain and I stretch them and they cry or more often than not they would laugh. People would laugh yeah. on the table. And then their pain was gone and they felt better and they could move on. What is this? What is this thing that's happening to people? And then I was starting to feel stuff. Mm. I'd put my hands on people and I'd stretch them and they would like have this release, this emotional release on the table where they get all teary eyed or they laugh or they become very, very talkative suddenly. Yeah. And I feel a rush of heat into my body. Yeah. I'm going, what is this? Yeah. I didn't I don't go in for all that woo woo. Yeah, yeah stuff that's why i like mindset brain gym here yeah. York, it's all very sort of grounded in science that's why i like the wim hof method which i hadn't discovered yet yeah. that's why i was drawn to it, because it's science yeah the science behind this let's like measure it yeah. yeah so i started to have these little little windows into this other thing i didn't know what it was yeah um i was already calling myself uh i think it was um sam harris penned this term the the spiritual atheist it's very much what I was. Yeah, I was yeah. very much in touch with stuff, but I yeah, I like that. Yeah, I didn't know what any of this was, but I was starting to feel this energy. Yeah, off of people, and uh, so that was so that was actually where my my growth, my change was was beginning. Was with fascial stretch therapy. I was beginning to feel that we were more than just a mechanical thing. So, people wouldn't necessarily
0: come to you and they're like, "Oh, I've got a like, lot Initially when you started doing this I got a lot of anxiety or depression you would do your your work with them um your fascial work with them it would be released you, they'd come in for some kind of physical ailment and in the process of doing it they yeah. would have like some kind of shift emotionally inside that would kind of be released
2: while you were doing the physical work exactly yeah it was completely unexpected they're coming to me they're just regular members of the gym yeah they'd come in and you know, they're just coming for a stretch because it feels good and everybody yeah. likes to be stretched yeah. and oh yeah, my back always hurts so oh, that always sort you got this chronic thing or, and we just stretch and move it around a little bit and, I, and they'd have this release uh, Yeah. What? and I didn't know what it was so I didn't yeah. understand but yeah, it was, it was this trapped trauma yeah. in their body, which I've come to learn it's we store emotions and memories and trauma, not in our head our brain is not us our mind is through our fascial net and beyond Right. We are storing memories and trauma in our body.
0: Have you ever studied any T R E tremor release? I want to say emotions. It's basically activating the tremor response inside of our bodies to let go of the the trapped trauma. Like when an animal is attacked in in the wild, it will generally shake, yeah. and it will shake all the trauma around. As long as it wasn't a fatal attack, it will shake. It will shake. It will shake all the trauma around. It will get up. And it'll be fine. It won't have any more memory of what happened. But us as humans, we learn, typically when we're children, we'll shake when there's some kind of trauma. But as we get older, we learn it's not okay. It's not called cool. being judged as an adult man or woman if we're shaking, yeah. if we're too emotional. So we start to switch it down. And there's a whole uh, kind of form of therapy on it where you artificially induce the tremor response uh the shaking in body you don't even need to know what the trauma is but basically to give your body about 10 minutes of shaking it out of the body Mm -hmm. over time and they've studied this and the guy invented it it's a guy called david i'm gonna butcher his last name uh or something but tre check it but yeah Bringing up that trauma release in the body, bringing mm-hmm. up that natural shaking to let the trauma pass throughout the body. Because like a program that if we didn't shake it out, the belief is and the theory is it's still trapped in our body mm-hmm. because we didn't shake it out. And we used to as kids. That's why we used to get over things a lot quickly, But we suppressed it as we got older.
2: Yeah. 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 I, I totally buy that. I didn't yeah. see that. Um, I see that in, in my dog all the time when you know, somebody knocks on the door and she goes berserk. Yeah. <laughs> and then afterwards, she kind of blah, 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 shakes it off and goes yeah. and lies down again. And like, yeah. I'm like, like ah, why are you so crazy, dog? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like every, every mammal has that. Yeah. So why would we be different? Yeah. The very same thing. And that's, and that when, when we're shaking, when we're doing those, when we're shaking, when we're dancing, when we're doing more athletic, fluid movements, that's our fascial net that we're working with. When we go to the gym and we're just working the sagittal plane, we do arm curls, squats, deadlifts. We're Stuck in the sagittal plane, yeah. But when we're doing more dynamic move, we're moving our fascial net, and when we're shaking, we're shaking our fascial net out, yeah. That's what we're doing, and so when I was stretching people, I was stretching is a slower, uh, a slower shake is what was happening,
0: yeah. It was a uh, TRE's a uh, tremor release Exercises. that's what it stands for. So now, when people come and see you privately, do you do you mix and match these do you mix and match the meditation the breath work with the facial uh, fascial release um and are, are you do they come in with a specific problem like oh like as a hypnotist as a change worker sometimes i've got anxiety i need to get rid of my anxiety well people have the label and they'll say here's the emotional thing and i want to use these methods and point them towards me alleviating the symptoms of this how does
2: it work with you um, yeah, it's, it's pretty much a la carte, really. Um, I use the fascial stretch therapy for people with pain, physical chronic yeah. pain in their body. Um, one of the things I noticed with people who have this chronic pain when they would come in and they, they would have a, a chronic pain in their shoulder, saying, I say, Well, can you point to your pain? Where is it? And they would actually look at their shoulder. You know, well, it's in my shoulder. Well, where in your shoulder? And they look at their shoulder and go, like, I don't know. It's in my shoulder. Yeah. They, they couldn't say, well, it's this part of my shoulder. It's yeah. that part of my shoulder. It was just unknown pain over here somewhere in yeah. their shoulder. Yeah. They couldn't pinpoint where it was. They didn't have proprioception yeah. of their shoulder. They couldn't figure out where their shoulder was. Proprioception is body awareness. Yeah. Um, that, the, the old drunk driving test where you close your eyes and touch your nose, that's proprioception. Yeah. Um, people with this chronic pain, they couldn't touch their pain. They didn't know where it was. couldn't tell where they couldn't visualize their shoulder. Okay. And so they were coming to me and when I do fascial stretch therapy, you mobilize that tissue, you mobilize the fascia, which supports the nerves, the proprioception in the body. So suddenly the proprioception turns on, so like, oh, I, I know where my shoulder is now, I can feel my shoulder. Well, where's your pain? My pain's right there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now we know where the pain is, you can identify it. Let's do some breath work. So now we introduce the breath work Okay. So because the brain is going all the time. They're in that busy beta yeah. brain. So now we can do some breath work to calm down and notice their breath.
0: So to go back to that first bit, they, they can't identify the pain. It's the overall shoulder and it goes back to your metaphor earlier, like the TV with the pixel. Now mm-hmm. you go to that specific pixel yep. You get the proprioception where exactly it is. Then you bring the breath work into it.
2: Yeah. So now, we've, now I'm going to calm the mind down through the breath work and we go into that low alpha state. A flow state. Yeah, and now picture your shoulder. Picture your injury. Where's your injury? What color is your injury? Breathe into your injury. Hold it in your mind. Just think of where it is. Just picture it. Don't don't try and make your breath not go to your lungs and go to your shoulder. Instead, you can't do that. Your air goes to your lungs. Yeah. Picture your shoulder. Picture your injury. Picture what it looks like. Picture a color of your injury or a light of your injury. And breathe as you hold that image in your mind. Yeah. And let it relax. For me, a lot of a lot of this is always... I'm a very visual person. Yeah. And uh, before we did this podcast, we had an interesting experiment uh, experience with an injured foot of mine. Yeah, yeah where, we'll where, talk about that in a yeah, minute. Yeah, we'll get back to that. Yeah. But, and I have them visualize it and they just breathe. And let it relax. Breathe and let it relax. And then the pain goes away. Yeah. Or, or subsides. It doesn't... You know, if there's physical injury in there, it doesn't just go away yeah right but it 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 feels better and so now they're able to move it now i've stretched them the pain is gone now we can teach them to move their shoulder again and when you bring back normal movement to that their pain goes away
0: yeah because oftentimes you'll you'll know this very well that it's the So oftentimes the thing with pain is there's an injury, but then um, we'll get inflammation around the joint or around the muscle, and it's really the inflammation that's there to try and protect it to uh, be like a cushion there, but oftentimes that's the thing that causes us the pain. It's not actually ne- necessarily the, the bone that breaks or the muscle, it's the inflammation mm-hmm. that's is, has been put there to kind of protect it and make sure we don't do anything crazy. So you're working a lot with the inflammation.
2: Um. That is part of it because the, uh, the, the fascial net, when, when you mobilize it it, uh, it, it flushes the body out. That's yeah. what it allows for um, a movement of fluid through the tissue as well. We have uh, Tom Myers coined a term called fuzzy fascia. Okay. If, you, if you think of fascia, it's supposed to be these nice, long, straight filaments yeah. or fibers of fascia. that are, It's 90% water. Water is supposed to travel through it nice and easily. And that sends a signal through the body. But when we have trauma in there, it's all jumbled up yeah. and it looks like fuzz under okay. a microscope. And uh, when we stretch it, we pull all these filaments and fibers apart and they realign themselves, which okay. is allows that movement of fluid okay. through again. So then the uh, the inflammation can go down. Actually, the, the trap stuff is gone. Yeah. One of the interesting things when I would uh, see some clients who have a fairly toxic lifestyle, I used to work on. Uh, Corporate Bay Street, Toronto, and we'd see a lot of people who worked, you know, 120 hours a week at the law firm, drinking lots of bad coffee and and eating a lot of bad food and not moving around a lot. And when we would stretch, um, the next day they they would say that they had uh, flu like symptoms. They didn't feel very well Mm. afterwards. And it was just uh, all that junk trapped inside of them was suddenly moving around, and there's a big load on their liver as they're clearing it out. Yeah. It makes them feel kind of unwell. Yeah. But it's actually trapped toxic waste in their muscles and in their tissue and if that stays there that becomes cancerous yeah and when you have that, that poisonous stuff in your body that, inc- that creates inflammation yeah in your body as well and then when you have this chronic inflammation in your body that's where disease comes from
0: we had like a little interesting experiment you touched upon earlier. Earlier on, you I saw in our meditation today you had like your your ankle taped up with some mm-hmm. a luminous.
2: My, colorful... yeah, my fancy fluorescent ankle brace. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
0: like oh, it's done something there. And and you, you yeah to tell to talk a little bit about our experience today about about that what happened and kind of what we did and what you felt.
2: Yeah, uh, I have a, a chronic sprained ankle. I, I I've hurt my ankle a few times and back in my racing days. But uh, earlier in the week, I just tweaked it a little bit. Nothing. Spe- I didn't do anything specific to it. There was no specific re-injury to it. It was just suddenly, oh, it's, I've done something. Yeah. Here comes the pain. And I've done it before, and it has to run a cycle where yeah. it heats right up, gets really sore, and then I get over it. Yeah. And it's usually, you know, four to seven days. Yeah. And so today's Friday. It was, this was Wednesday. It was starting to. Go off on me, I think. And yeah. Thursday afternoon, it was—I was in agony.
4: Yeah.
2: Um, didn't sleep very well last night. This morning, I was like, "Am I going to have to cancel the class?" Like I was—I was, I was actually—I uh, I have crutches at home for when this happens. Oh wow! And I was okay. on my crutches. I could not put any weight on it. Yeah. Uh I was able to mobilize it enough to get here, I could kind of hobble around a little bit. Yeah. But then uh, we did some some weird shit. Weird shit, and the pain dialed down quite literally it dialed itself down yeah. and I love the imagery you gave me about actually physically taking the uh, the knob because I use that word I use dialing down pain all yeah. the time so yeah. I don't know if you just knew that about me or maybe you heard me say that or maybe that's just a thing that yes um, to everything he just said <laughs> so I literally dialed down the pain and the pain went away and we did some other interesting visualization things where um, I was to imagine myself at a waterfall and a drip of water was going through me and and washing the, the pain out of my body and finding any areas of tension, pain and discomfort. Yeah. And I was finding old injury stuff and I've got a neck injury. I broke my neck when I was a kid. Okay. And so I've got some stuff in there and that was the first spot where I was getting a lot of blockage with that water. That, that idea of blockage that we started the story with, that, that blockage dripping through and I could see this, this stuff in my neck. So
0: it's like a, a power wash that you said you imagined what you were using on your neck.
3: Yeah.
2: So at first I was using this drip and it wasn't, wasn't getting it. But uh, I, what I saw, I was seeing a puddle of black ooze coming out of my foot. Yeah. In my mind. thought so I need to wash this out. So that drip from the waterfall turned into a power wash where I was washing the bones down. And okay. I, could, uh, I have a, physiological, a, physio, a physiology background so I, I can visualize the vertebrae, I know what they look like, yeah, yeah. I know where the muscle attachments are and I had a power hose washing them and I was washing this black goo out of my neck and it was dripping down and it was around an injury in my shoulder and I wash it off and when I wash it off my shoulder blade, my ribs around the right side cracked. Okay. I had an adjustment. Weird. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. and I, That that surprised me. It yeah. Kinda, that distracted me a little bit and I had to start over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I went through and I washed it out again. Yeah. And then I was washing it all the way down and I was washing all the way down the front of my shin and, and all the bones in my foot, my right foot where it hurts. Yeah. And I was spraying. I was getting in there with this with this hose pipe, this power wash. And I was washing it out. Yeah. And I'd wash it out and then like more goo would come back down. I'd wash it out and I just kept washing. You know when yeah. you're like Power washing a deck and you're kind of going back and forth and you're sweeping it with water. Yeah. I was kind of doing that down my leg and through the bones and just keep washing more and more of this stuff out that was seeping up. Yeah. Out of me. Until finally it was, it wasn't running clear when we stopped. It seemed like there was more. It wasn't running clear yet. Yes, yes. More, but it was running clearer. You just needed a bit more time. I needed more time
0: so when we're done with this today and your unconscious could, could do it now because it can make you breathe when you're sleeping it can multitask mm-hmm. but you can imagine doing that as long as you need to until yep. it's all gone
2: I'm going to I'm going to go um, after this I'm going to go into my own breath work practice and I'm going to drop myself with that intention that that's where I'm going yeah. I'm going to clean my body with this power hose Yeah, and when I go into that that meditation state that I get myself into with breath work that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give myself a scrubbing from the inside. There you go. And spray it all out. Spray it all out.
0: Sounds like yeah. sounds a bit rude, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> very very good. Um, yeah. So when you started, you, how, what was your pain in your ankle when
2: when I asked you when you stood earlier? Uh, I told you it was an eleven. I there you go. Yes. Yeah. It was it was Final painful. Tap, yeah. and now I've I've had kidney stones. Yeah. It my foot was really painful. Like okay. and kidney stones are apparently the most painful thing you can possibly endure. Yeah. Um and I believe it, it was awful. Yeah. This was like right when there was like a moment when I stepped down, it was up there. It was yeah. like intense pain. Yeah. I've I've broken bones that hurt less than yeah. what I was experiencing in my foot. It was horrible.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then when we when we
2: were done, what was it? Um the The first round we had it down to like a four, which yeah. is kind of nice. And Still we got a got a a bit right, left, yeah. And then we got it right down to a two or a one. Even it yeah. felt like I was walking around normally.
0: Yeah, and I asked you, was that okay to keep at that that number? Because yeah. oftentimes, sometimes when it, sometimes when we do get it to a zero, people get a little bit silly, like, oh, all the pain is gone. I can go run a sprint now or yeah. do a a high cup Everest and the body will bring it back in force to say hey mm-hmm. no stupid yeah. now you're going to feel a 12 out of 10 pain but sometimes just having a, a half or a one or even up to mm-hmm. a two is just enough to be like hey there's still some work that needs to be done yeah. we still need to be smart and ice or whatever we need and, to and do and stop there.
2: abusing myself yes. that, that's how I got here to begin with I had um, I used to do multi-day adventure racing Okay. and uh, I had badly sprained my ankle in training and but I kept training because we had a big race coming up. And because I was favoring that, I hurt the other ankle. Yeah. So we went into this final race where I had like a grade three sprain on one ankle and a grade two sprain on the other ankle. And I was on crutches. Yeah. Day of the race. It's a four day race. And uh, at the start of the race, I just put the crutches down. I knew it was only going to hurt for the first half hour. And then the movement was going to just numb the pain. Yeah. And so that's what I did. I just put the crutch down and I ran yeah this race and it was like excruciating I just went through it, I just pushed through it. I just drove yeah. myself um, the human body can do that we are able to push through anything to stay alive yeah and now you know I didn't have to run this race to stay alive yeah but I was driven to do it because it was a team even I, I couldn't let my team down we had trained for this we won <laughs> which yeah. is all that matters yeah um, yeah and so like it was just through pure physical abuse of myself yeah that got me in the state yeah
0: yeah, yeah. Um, so you're going to do that power wash a little bit later on to bring yeah. that down even even, lower for yourself. But I remember I, I, um, I dated this girl for a while and she kind of learnt this technique and she would teach her kid it and it was whenever a kid was having any kind of pain or a teething pain or stuff like that she'd get them to imagine uh, I taught her basically a lot of little firemen like little cartoon characters come out of their big hose and instead of it being water it would be like some kind of numbing fluid it seems silly it seemed mm-hmm. like a childish game but she used it on herself When she had some kind of toothache or back pain, I can't remember it was, and she started laughing when she was using it. It's a silly image as an adult doing it. She goes, "I was seeing it, and I was had this pain, neck pain, whatever, and I imagined it happen. I started laughing, and it worked. Mm -hmm. And I taught my daughter it, and it worked. It's all, it's all visuals because you know this. It's not the the body that feels pain; it's the brain that feels pain. I don't know if you know the name of it off by heart, but there's some people that are born with this very rare condition where they feel no physical pain. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's a tiny, tiny percent of people. And it sounds kind of cool, it's like they're they're superheroes. But basically what it means is if they put their hand on a fire and they don't remove their hand out, their hand will get on fire, it will burn their yeah, hand off. They won't know. They won't know. They might die through blood coming out of it after or some kind of wound, but they won't they won't feel the pain. Or they could get shot or stabbed. Mm-hmm. Be bleed out but feel no physical pain at all so it's good in one way but in, a, in another way it's really bad because pain's mm-hmm. the, the message to the body to go and sew up that wound remove that bullet fucking mm-hmm. take your hand out of the fire you're doing mm-hmm. something silly now but,
2: but the, the the other side of that is that pain is also a learned behavior the same idea that when you put your hand on a, on a stove and it's hot and ow you take it away if, if, I, if you came to my house and I had one of the burners was painted red it wasn't turned on and you accidentally put your hand down on it and looked and it was red, what do you think you would do?
0: Yeah, you'd probably remove it.
2: And you'd even say, ow! Yeah. And shake your hand. Interesting. Because yeah. for a second there, you feel the pain because you've been taught that that's pain. This should so be... when we go through life and, and things have been tra- traumatic for us that, oh, when I lift that up, my back hurts. When I move like that, that hurts. This happened to me so these things hurt. When that happens again, it's going to hurt. So pain becomes a learned behavior and that's why pain or that why trauma, emotional trauma is stored as pain in the body because we've, that, that effect of the emotion is stored and that movement that was associated with that becomes pain.
0: Yeah, we, we, we touched upon it before we started the podcast but there's, there's typically three types of pain. If you imagine a table with three legs, one leg is historical pain. Where's your pain right now? Well, when I woke up this yeah. morning, my pain was in nine. Where's your pain right now? Oh, I know when I walk up that staircase or go to the gym after it's this going to. It's gonna yeah. where's your pain right now? Oh, it's only a one or a two. Because yeah. we've we're taking out the past, we've taken out the future, we've taken two legs off the table. There still may genuinely be a leg left, mm-hmm. um, which but it's a lot easier once we've taken out those two corner legs that were holding up to deal with but mm-hmm. yeah yeah totally that's i often hear that so sometimes one of the biggest shifts a client will come in i mean in incredible pain it's a it's a 10 out of 10 and blah 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 where's it right now they're going to the past where's it right now yeah, they're going to the future. where's it right now yeah. they'll search they'll do this funny thing with their eyes called transcendental search <laughs> yeah. and they'll be like oh it's only a one or a two and it's, yeah, it's sometimes mm-hmm. just that one little thing. If I've only got a minute to be with yeah. someone, if I don't have a full session, it will just knock off two-thirds of the pain.
2: Yeah. 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 So one, one of the things that I do with the fascial stretch therapy with people who are in pain, I, I take away that, that pain that they have now, mm. and then I take their body through movements on the table. It's passive, but I take them into those positions that caused them pain, that future pain that they expect. Yeah. And I take them there, and there's no pain because yeah. they don't know that they're going there. Yeah. But their subconscious does. Their subconscious yeah. knows they are going through that range of motion. Yeah. So I can take them there successfully. And now I take them into those positions passively and then have them activate muscles in that position. There's no pain. Let's come back out. Yeah. And now you put yourself in there. Oh, you can. There's yeah. There's no pain.
0: In, in what I do with people, we call it um, future pacing. It's like, well, well, like they'll come in, let's say they're a smoker, and I, I make sure they haven't smoked 24 hours before our first session, because I want them coming in, and I want that craving, that yeah. urge to be a 10 out of 10. In the old days, I'd let them smoke a minute before they come in uh, for their first, usually only session for smoking, and I'd ask them, zero to 10, how much do you want a cigarette? Like, well, Luke, I just smoked, so, it's a zero I'm like, well if it's a zero now and we haven't done any work at the beginning of the first session how are you going to know this shit worked at the end if it's already a zero to which they say good point that's why I ask people to not do it for 24 mm-hmm. hours so when they come in it's that high number so when they leave it's a zero I was going somewhere with that I was going with that <laughs> So it's about future pacing them. So when I'm finished to work with someone, let's say they came in for smoking, um, they're like, well, Luke, I don't want a cigarette at all now. Well, I'm like, it's great, because you came in at 10 and now it's a zero. Yeah, yeah, but what happens when I get in my car an hour from now, when I go to work tomorrow, when I go out with my friends to the bar, to the club on Friday? So then it isn't a problem with addiction and whether smoking is an addiction, really, that's, that's a whole nother thing, I don't believe it is. But the, the, the craving is gone from that moment. The the urge to smoke is completely gone. But they have anxiety in the future for it coming back. So then I have to treat the anxiety for mm-hmm. the future. So then I have to take them out into the future, kind of like you do the body to those uh, to those movement patterns. I have to mentally or with imagination take them out to the bar. Um, To they're in their car, to they're at work, all those other triggers and let them have the experience of it being in the future and then not doing the behavior anymore Mm -hmm. and being absolutely okay with it. We call it future pacing, you're kind of future pacing the body.
2: Yeah, same idea. Which
0: is interesting stuff. So for anyone listening, if you were to teach some people a couple of tangible skills, whether it be using cold therapy or breath work that they can do at home safely to kind of have a takeaway from Mm -hmm. this podcast, what, what what two or three things could, could you offer?
2: So, one of the favorite things in my public workshops that I run, I start with an intention that I call stop, drop, and breathe. Okay. And I have people just think about that. What does that mean to you? Stop, drop, and breathe. And when we were kids, at least in Canada, but probably in the UK, um, the firefighters would come to the school and tell us, you know, when you catch on fire, and I remember as a kid, they told me that on the the hell I'm going to catch on fire yeah I hope <laughs> I don't catch right on there. fire yeah stop drop and roll yeah when you catch on fire stop drop we never ca- I never caught on fire yeah well sometimes I did but not often yeah um, but catch on fire on the inside all the time yeah stop drop and breathe so stop stop what you're thinking stop what you're doing unless you're driving down the highway stop drop into the moment which means just come to a present moment awareness not worrying about yesterday you're not worrying about what's going to happen. Just here and now. And breathe. I like to say take five. Yeah. Take five seconds for a breath. That's it. Yeah. Or take five breaths. Or if you can, if you have the time, take five minutes to sit and observe your breath. That's it. Just the very act of observing your breath quietens down your brain and gets us back in touch. With our prefrontal cortex yeah. and in touch with our emotions. It just calms us down. Just being aware of our breath. That's it. And everybody has five minutes. When you look at the, how much time you spend on social media with the new phones, you can see how much time you wasted. Oh, yeah. Everybody has five minutes Yeah. to breathe. It's that simple. Yeah. That's a bare minimum. Just be aware of your breath. Yeah. It's a very, very powerful tool. Um, a study was done in, in Italy. I, I can't reference it here, so it's not a very good reference. But uh, this is a university study where they took people with an anxiety disorder and they taught them a breath meditation. And These people who had panic attacks who yeah. would, like, could not function because of panic and anxiety. So they taught them a breath meditation. But what teaching them the breath meditation? Meditation is just a a specific focus practice of mindfulness. When we learn that, we become mindful in everything else. So they became mindful of their breath. Yeah. And what they found was people with this anxiety disorder, with the stress disorders, their breath changed first. <gasps> before they had the mental panic attack. And they mm. would notice, oh my goodness, my breath. <sighs> Slow it down. Yeah. Stop the breath from going crazy. Yeah. And they didn't have panic attacks anymore. Yeah. They went off their medications. Just being aware of your breath. Yeah, it's huge. It's a huge, powerful tool, and it's within us. It's there. It's free. It's your breath. Yeah. Be aware of it. Yeah.
0: Killing the monster while it's small. Yeah. The breath being the first sign before the visual games inside the head and visualizations. Breathing's change works as a sign. Let's let's do something
2: different with our breathing. Yeah. And the other the other thing that you can do every single day to enhance your health at the end of your shower, turn to cold. Okay. As cold as you can bear it. Yeah. Thirty seconds, maybe a minute if you want. Yeah. That's it. Okay. That's simple. Yeah. So it um, that that flash of cold boosts white blood cells in your body, improves your health. Okay. Right there. So now you won't get sick anymore, or yeah. when you do, you barely get sick.
0: Yeah. Before I before I learned any of this, the Wim Hof stuff, I uh, was experimenting with cold showers, and when I would do it, or when I would get a bucket of cold water and just drop it over my head once a day, I don't I think I got sick at all for yeah. like a year or two. So yeah, it's uh, it's quite remarkable. How do people find out about
2: you? Um, they can just go outside the front door and scream my name as loud as they can. And I'll, I'm a bit like Batman. And I'll just, just arrive. Or the smoke signals. There, the smoke signals. Yeah. good. Is it um, an
0: SB like sign that yeah. a floodlight that goes into the air, right? <laughs> it's
2: perfect. I'll be right there. Um, no, you can find me on my website is breathinginnature.com. Okay. Or on the socials, Breathing in Nature. Okay uh, both on Instagram. I do. I, most of my subs on Instagram, but then also Facebook. Yeah. and there, but, uh, breathing and my email address is there, which is a Steve at breathing in nature.com.
0: And typically someone will give you a call, their email, you say, you sound interesting. What can we do? And then what would, what would you do on, the, would you have a screening with them over the phone or would you meet them in person before you did any work? With um,
2: them or? I really like meeting people in person. Um, I don't like talking to people on the phone at all. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, I'm very much an in-person communication person yeah <laughs> um, so email the best way first to organize a time to meet and then we meet in person either for a session right out the blocks if if they know it's uh, some breath works and meditation not all my meditation work is breath work sometimes it's just meditation sometimes it's teach them how to sit with themselves and yeah. become aware of things so uh, sometimes we we'll just get right down to that sometimes we get right into fascial stretch therapy depending on what they want to do yeah um all sorts of stuff or you know if it's if it's corporate stuff we will meet beforehand if I'm working with a with a company a group of people I'll, I'll meet somebody beforehand to discuss things and figure out what it is we're gonna do have a plan of action yeah but uh, generally email is the best way and then uh, we move from there I do most of my work um, out of mindset brain gym in Yorkville in yep. Toronto uh, but I also travel around a little bit to different companies and people's homes if they want to do in-home sessions if they if they know they have some emotional work that they want to do and they don't want to come to a, a, a public place to do that, yeah. um, then I go to people's homes. I always thought that
0: someone, I you know, I have the benefits of massage and getting someone to work on me deep tissues. nothing really wrong with my body. You know, everything's going well, but I think everyone could benefit from some kind of massage or stretch Absolutely. work at least once a month. And I always... I wondered why nobody attacked enough that i was aware of at least on the mainstream or in the circles that i run in which are kind of weird sometimes where they were combined a physical form of therapy I don't like the word therapy but something like massage with hypnosis at the same time mm-hmm. so why as you're re- releasing not tensions in the body you're also giving suggestions linking that to potential emotions that they yeah. already identified that they have some issues with anxiety or sadness and stuff like that, but linking that physical release like you mm-hmm. do with the, the emotional release and combining them and, and, and using that as a, as, a, as a tool, consciously, unconsciously, physically, mentally, spiritually, if such a thing exists, and combining them all into mm-hmm. a kind of one special thing, so that's, that's a really good Yeah,
2: yeah that's good work. basically what I do, but I do that with the breath when we're doing FST, fascial stretch therapy, yeah. I just have them breathe. And then the emotional stuff, that connection, that mind-body connection happens. Yeah, I don't specifically say no let go of that trauma that happened when you were six years old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm frankly probably not qualified for that, but just having them breathe, yeah, into their tissue and relax and be in touch with that, it happens. The magic if, happens.
0: If you know that someone is coming to you and like, I want to learn this stuff because I suffer from a lot of symptoms of anxiety. When you're doing your work with them, you won't have specific moments you're going to get them to go back to. But will you will you address like as you let go of that anxiety now? If they've already come in and they like they've held their hand up and say, "This is one of the reasons I'm coming in," or will you just not even touch that kind of word when you're working with them? Uh,
2: I don't go into specifics like that. I, I'm I'm very much more in the present moment. They'll they'll share with me saying, "Oh, that's you know I just had this." Memory just came rushing back. Sure, yeah. And so we'll explore that yeah. a little bit, but I don't take people into those specific yeah. areas. Um, that's not that's not my camp. Yeah, at all. so yeah. but we it, it goes there often. Yeah, so I feel com- comfortable exploring those areas. But yeah. uh, if it's uh, psychotherapy, somebody wants or needs. Yeah. That's not me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not what anybody needs. <laughs> Nobody needs.
0: It's um, yeah, no. So that's uh, that's good. We in, in like uh, change work, we call it um, um, context free work, where the client will know they have an issue. Mm-hmm. Maybe they know what the, the the memory is, the feeling is. Maybe they won't, but they just know they don't feel good about something. So it's why I can do a lot of deep work with people. It can be in a room full of a couple hundred people. It can be mm-hmm. real personal shit. But because they never have to express it out because they're doing all the work yeah. inside their head. Yeah, it's they all internal. The, yeah, they have the freedom that, if there's shameful things there that they, they don't want to publicly express, maybe they don't even want to express it to one other person, mm-hmm. they can do it, go through the process without you, me, the person who's working with ever knowing what it specifically is, mm-hmm. But they can release it. Yeah. R- rather than
2: re-traumatize themselves. Yeah, and that happens in our breath class. Um, we'll have like one person will be having a little cry and somebody else having a little giggle. Yeah. In the same practice. And sometimes, sometimes.
0: people convulse in like the gentleman next sometimes, to me last week. Like, What's going happens. on here?
2: <laughs> sometimes that happens. Sometimes yeah. there's a lot there's a lot of stuff to come out. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that happens rarely, but that, that also happens. Yeah. Excellent.
0: Well Steve, it has been a pleasure. And um, thank you for being here today. Thank,
2: thank you. Absolute me. pleasure. It's loads of fun.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is the longest interview and the longest podcast of all time. I feel like we've got
2: hours of more stuff we could talk about. Oh too, no, we but, have, uh, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll come back, we'll do it again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Always believe
0: hypnopunk.
1: If there's something in your life that's been causing you to feel stuck, be that in your health, be that in your relationships, be that in your career, and you're not quite sure how to fix it or where to turn, but it's getting to a point where you've got to do something about it because it's causing you some kind of pain, be that physical, be that mental, be that emotional then please do contact me on mail at lucnosis.com mail m-a-i-l at lukenosis l-u-k-e-n-o-s-i-s dot com and request a 30 minute complimentary unstuck session with me either over the telephone or over some kind of video messaging and please understand this is not a free therapy session it's not a hypnosis session anything like that it's an opportunity to have me in your corner for 30 minutes to brainstorm some ways um, and potentially I can help you to pull yourself out of that hole that you're in to take your life to the next level <laughs>